Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 202. Just counting down the days to episode 300. But right now, we are still in the middle of our summer synthwave celebration. So we are looking back on the the past, on how uh, the show has evolved and changed over the years, and how synthwave, the scene has changed over the years, and so I am talking to guests who I've talked to for many, many years on the show, touching base with people who I haven't talked to in a long time, and uh, yeah, that's basically what this has been about. And today on the show, I'm going to be chatting with Zach Robinson, a.k.a. D.A.D., who has just completed work on the score for the Cobra Kai Season 2, which you can watch on YouTube, which is pretty cool. He does that with uh, another composer called Leo Bierenberg, and I think also Myrone provided some guitars and stuff. Now today, this is still part of the Beyond Synth uh, Synthwave Summer Celebration thing, so that's the focus right now, and like several of the guests today, well, there's obviously Zach, and then I talked to Highway Superstar, and then I talked to Droid Bishop. So, obviously, Droid Bishop just had his new album come out just last week, but we recorded this chat a little while ago, so we don't really talk about the new album, but we will, and the same goes for Zach. This summer series is mostly about reflecting on the synthwave scene itself, and uh, we're sort of sticking to that theme, although very mildly, <laughs> I think, with uh, Droid Bishop, we sort of went on a tangent. Well, we go on a tangent all the time, man. That's what Beyond Synth is all about, is tangents. And it's also about wicked music, so let's get this show started and listen to some. So here is an awesome one from Palm Lakes, and this track is called Satellite. Shit! 
All right, and that was Satellite by Palm Lakes. Palm, P-A-L-M. I don't often say that word, Palm. Uh, but that's a wicked track. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, I mentioned it in the High Five on Friday, but I'd just like to acknowledge new donor, Neptune90 in the $10 Club. And new donation of the Beast supporter, Power Loader. Donation of the Beast are all my $6.66, pals. And then Pattern Shift has upgraded his support. And Pattern Shift is also a really uh, talented uh, producer, and you can check out uh, the episode where he was on Beyond Synth uh, last season. And now we are back here with episode 202. So I thought I still have way more listener calls here to listen to. So let's go to the answering machine and uh, hear some. Oh, hey, Andy. Rob Dyson here. Hey, look, man, when you mispronounce words, I think you're mispronouncing pronunciation i think it's pronunciation or it is in england anyway so like uh i got this little rhyme for you it goes uh it's a common misconception that the word pronunciation is pronounced pronunciation but it's not okay now bye thanks rob dyson i like that there are so many people who critique my pronunciation i've got some people online yeah i'm looking at you hugh hefner dr girlfriend or however you say that every day fucking (laughs) Here's a word Andy said wrong. And thank you, Rob Dyson. That's very uh, it's very kind of you to point that out. I would say that I don't think I ever say the word pronunciation. Again, if someone wants to go back into the archives and let me know if I do, I say the word pronounce a lot, as in, how do you pronounce that? Or, I don't think I pronounced that correctly. But I don't often say the word pronunciation. And I tell you what, if I'm wrong, I'll give you five bucks. There, that ought to make somebody feel good out there. Go and listen to the entire archive of Beyond Synth. And if I ever say the word pronunciation, but I say pronunciation, I will give you $5. It doesn't multiply based on multiple instances. You just have to find one. If I say it twice, you still only get $5. But anyway, man, thanks. Thanks, Rob Dyson. You're a cool guy. And thanks for uh, supporting Beyond Synth, man. You're a neato. (laughs) All right, let's listen to some more. Hey, Andy. This is Replicant69. I just wanted to say you're a cool guy, and your show is like synthwave crack. Thanks for all of your hard work. My question is, if you could participate in any Olympic event, summer or winter, what would it be? Cheers. Well, thanks, Replicant69. And thanks for your support uh, of Beyond Synth. You're a cool guy. Um, And it's actually funny that you just mentioned Synthwave Crack because, I mean, just coincidentally, I just uh, smoked a bunch of crack. And I feel great. All right? And you're saying that has reminded me that I need to fill this bowl with more crack. Do they fill bowls with crack? Crack pipe. Sorry, I don't really know anything about crack. (laughs) My, my improv skills uh, diminish very quickly. Uh, I just like saying the word. Um, well, I'm not a very sporty guy. To answer your question, Replicant69, you know I'm not really a sporty guy, so I don't know what the fuck I would do at any Olympic Games. Unless they make Goldeneye an Olympic sport. Which is ridiculous because, again, I'm not even really that great at Goldeneye. Like, I know I talk about it a lot, but that's just because I really enjoy it. It's like a lot of things I talk about all the time. I just really enjoy them. 
So when it comes to Goldeneye, it's just that the game has brought me a lot of joy, and especially when you're playing with a bunch of people in the same room, it's a lot of fun. But if it was an Olympic sport, uh, I probably wouldn't even I wouldn't even be the best in my district in the city. I mean, I, I imagine there's somebody who lives around me who probably kick my ass in Goldeneye. So I guess pole vaulting or the luge. <laughs> All right, look, uh, let's listen to another track, and then maybe we'll go uh, chat with Mr. D.A.D. So here is a track from Data Fatale, and this one's called Future Fugitive, and it is brought to you by my amazing supporters on Patreon, supporters like Chris Dance with the 88, or as I like to call him, the King of the Pattersons. And then there's Mike Shima with the 82, the Prince of the Pattersons, or the King in another district. I don't know what he prefers, but I do uh, appreciate you guys a lot. You guys are wicked, and I couldn't do this show without awesome supporters like you. So now let's listen to this track. This is Data Fatale with Future Fugitive.
And that was Future Fugitive by Data Fatale. And that's a cool track that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's William Stewart with the 69, 69, and Jose Arbello with the 66, 59. You guys are pretty cool. Are you as cool as Jacob Wick? I don't know. Jacob Wick's pretty cool. You know, if you want to support the show like these awesome people, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Um, that's a cool thing to do. So how about this? Let's uh, get the old phone out here and let's give uh, DAD a call. Hello? Hey, is this uh, Zach Robinson? This is he. Is this uh, my good friend, Andy? <laughs> Yes, man. How's it going, dude? D-A-D. It's going great. I'm here in uh, sunny, beautiful Southern California, Los Angeles. It is a nice 79 degrees and just gorgeous. And I'm sitting here with my dog and we're uh, unfortunately talking to you now. (laughs) Well, look, man, it's always nice to hear from you. I'm saying that even though the premise is I just called you. (laughs) So (laughs) it's always nice to hear from me. So look, we're going to do a proper show. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that this is an improper show. This is the Beyond Synth 200th episode. It's, congratulations, my friend. Congratulations. I like uh, forcing people to congratulate me. That's, I would do the same if I was in your position. <laughs> what were the episodes that I was on? I was on one of the earlier ones. I would say top 20, right? Yes. Yeah. You're, I think, episode 12. Hold on. I'm going to go to the Beyond Synth Music Database at BeyondSynth.com. I think it was a 12, and then there's like a 50-something, and then maybe a 100-something. All right. So you were episode 11? Wow. That, and that must have been five years ago, right? Yeah. Six. That was 2013. Oh, my God. Because I remember I did that episode right before I got stood up on a date. Oh, no. And then the next, like, week, I met my now current girlfriend. And oh, that good. Was, and, we've been, and we've been together almost six years. So, like, that is my... Uh, you, you play a big part in me um, remembering how long I've been with my girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I, I I think I remind a lot of people of their girlfriends. The, <laughs> now I think you were on. It says you were also on episode fifty six. I feel like you were on another time too. Yeah, there was one where we did. I think in the later, like last year, we did a Cobra Kai specific one. So that fifty six one was with me and James, right? That's and right. Then, yeah, you were on yeah, with Troy yeah, Bishop. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so what I'm doing this episode is I'm sort of reaching back. So you were there uh, in the first season, which is cool. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of come to this realization. I know some people have have come to it uh, probably earlier than me, but I have this difficulty in explaining synthwave as a genre to people because it's so disparate, right? There's so many different things. So I think I've sort of changed my perspective and I'm finally embracing the fact that Synthwave isn't a genre at all. Synthwave is the scene. It describes the scene, which is the home of all these different sort of genres and aesthetics and stuff. And I'm going to stop referring to it as a genre. Hmm. But I don't know. So how do you feel about that sentence? I think it's pretty uh, introspective. I like it. When I describe it, it's to other people. I always kind of say that it's like it's like music from the 80s, but from like an alternate dimension. It's like if the 80s were scoring themselves, like kind of once removed. Right. It's always this fantasy decade. Like when you really kind of go back into some of the stuff like reading from the 80s, it doesn't 
really sound like what's going on in the synthwave scene, but it's a mixture between a love letter and an homage and also just kind of like this alternate reality uh, perspective on the music and, and the decade and stuff. I like I like that uh, the synthwave like synthwave kind of is more of like a scene and I'm super into like subgenres. I love classifying things and there's definitely tons of sub genres within synthwave too. That's been my biggest problem because I've talked to people over the years about synthwave specifically and I always say I use it as a blanket term but I'm still using it as if it's a genre. It makes my job so difficult when I'm trying to explain it to people because I can be like hey here's some synthwave and then I play them like essentially synth pop Yeah, and then oh but here's this this perturbator that is also synthwave but is sounds zero like the music you just heard and so I think I am slowly going over to the side of the subgenre. Like I used to I used to say I don't like subgenres and now I think I do and accepting that synthwave is just the the portal with which you can reach all these different things and I guess the main drive of this whole thing is just uh, ways for artists to explore their nostalgia. Sure. And there's many different ways to do it. Yeah, synthwave is the top of the tree. And then, you know, you have the little branches kind of like breaking down with the different subgenres. I feel like people now, it's almost mainstream enough where like if someone who like even relatively knows about music, like they'll know about this kind of stuff. So synthwave, I feel like is now it's like a pretty like synonymous word for describing like all this type of music that people people really get and the aesthetic i see pop up quite a bit now yeah uh yeah for sure man big artists who are lighting their music videos with like the pink light from one side and the blue light from the other side dude have you noticed i've actually noticed this and i think it's good it's kind of funny but like we can all agree that the that the 80s like the 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 fonts and the designs and the grids and stuff was quite diluted at this point Mm -hmm. but now i've been seeing a lot of late 70s inspired stuff and like mid 70s inspired like artwork and stuff and like the the most recent one what you know roommate i don't think i do okay they're like la la guys and they posted something on instagram that was like the most gorgeous artwork i had seen from a band in a while and it was i, I gotta look up the artist um before i get off with you but <laughs> there's a fucking sentence <laughs> nice thanks <laughs> but it's inspired by like 70s science fiction book covers yeah uh and i'm seeing a lot more creativity with that the artist is signal star Okay. At Signal Star. Okay. Incredible artwork. Yeah, no, I, I dig that stuff because, I mean, essentially, you have this nostalgic lens for, you know, like the 80s and 90s and kind of stuff. But then, of course, a lot of the stuff that was going on in that time was being inspired by the earlier decades as well. And so, like, obviously, there's a lot of 70s that are going to be creeping into anything that's, you know, before, like, 1985. Yep. So it is neat seeing that kind of, of artwork, too. I mean, like, I just like all things retro. I just like when there's fucking keyboards involved. Yes, I do, too. But, uh, look, well, let's listen to a track here so i will say we will do a proper show that's what i was gonna say earlier on for the cobra kai season two soundtrack okay uh because i know we did talk about doing that uh and so i still want to do that and we'll do that in like the the coming months or whatever but i thought maybe i'd play a track from it okay because it is cool thanks so let's listen to this track first this one's great this is uh the miyagi do fix up from the Cobra Kai Season 2 soundtrack.
And that was Miyagi-Do Fix-Up by Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson from the Cobra Kai Season 2 soundtrack. And I'm here with Zach Robinson right now. I'm glad you picked that one. Well, that's a great song, man. That's one of my favorites. And like I said, we will do a proper show all about this. Sure. Because we did talk about maybe getting uh, uh, Myron involved as well. Yeah, yeah. He played, that's him shredding on that one. So how was working on it, on the doing the Season 2? It was great. It was better than Season 1. We just were so thrilled to come back to the world and we had all this... It's a lot easier when you come back to a season two and you can just kind of jump right in and you don't need to worry about tone setting or themes or whatever. You just got everything and you know what people like. And that one in particular was super fun because when we watched the first episode, that's that's in the first like five minutes of the second season. Hmm. And they had tempted it with like some 80s like cleanup montage song. And we were like, okay, so we can do something kind of similar to this. I'm like, oh yeah, just go for it. And like basically what you hear is you know, was I like our first or second pass. So everyone like totally, all the, the creators just totally got it. They got it. The second we showed it, we got it. And it's so awesome we get to write music like that for a TV show. What I love about this too, and I mean, especially seeing where you've gone over these years, because obviously I end up listening to a lot of synthwave and, and, and those styles of things that are all very synth-based tunes and stuff. And what I love about these soundtracks is they're they're full-on proper scores. Right. Right? I mean, obviously it's got like the, you know, the 80s influence stuff with like the guitars and like the synth work that you're doing. But essentially, like, this is a like it's proper score music like there's orchestral shit in there there's lots of uh, different sort of instrumentation and stuff going in and uh yeah they're like they're they're good yeah and i would say that even like i don't even necessarily think like an orchestra is like a proper score quote unquote necessitates like an orchestra like no you know, but you know what you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there's like there's a lot of like synth scores that are awesome that that like work really well i think the difference is that a lot of those types of scores not always but a lot of them like they don't necessarily write to picture like they kind of just write a bunch of music and then you kind of figure out where you're gonna put it and i've done that in the past too this is a show where like there are like these really larger than life characters and you have to work to picture and you've got to score the scene you've got to come down when characters are talking you've got to play like the crease theme when crease walks it like stuff like that so it's fun to be able to score it in the traditional sense of how like film scoring came up but using the palette that we have it's it's a blast it's just neat to hear those different textures and stuff because obviously like a lot of uh, like with everyone i talk to or most people i talk to it's it's a lot of synth sounding patches that are being used and stuff and i i love that stuff and i love those 80s scores that are pure synth but when we talk about this nostalgia for the 80s and stuff i mean the majority of soundtracks for those movies weren't synth based. I mean, I liked, I liked the synth ones, you know, like those are the ones I gravitated towards. But you know, when you think about, I don't know, like Alan Silvestri or something, you know, like, cause he scored a lot of movies. Or Bill Conti, who did the original Karate Kid. Like we do a lot of that type of retrofitting with both the synth and the kind of a corny orchestral scores too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's definitely like it's. Uh, it sounds fucking uh, great. But we'll. Thanks. What we'll do is in a few months' time, we'll do a proper episode and we'll fucking dissect the whole thing. Dope. We can do it in a, in a couple months. I just want to tell you what I'm doing tonight, which will be long over by the time this airs. But we're playing our Cobra Kai concert tonight. Oh, that's today. Yeah. Oh, sweet man. Yeah, we're playing at the Whiskey uh, on the Sunset Strip, which is like a pretty famous hair metal venue. It's like a super grimy spot, but it's perfect for us. And we've got 
Myron is opening, and then Cobra Kai Band is playing. We've got a lot of like special surprises and guests coming up, and then Droid Bishop is posing the setup. Oh, cool! So then we're going to get the whole perspective on this thing then, because I'm going to okay, fuck it, I'm going to break this my rule. I always don't like telling people when I record these, but I'm going to break the the reality of this and tell you that I will be. I'm recording with James tomorrow. Okay, so I'll get his perspective on the event. So we've got you Amazing. all wide eyes and excited <laughs> for the event that's going to happen, and then tomorrow. <laughs> I can talk to James where he's like, yeah, man, some guy fucking pissed all over the stage. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yes, it will be like that. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. We, we can't wait. It's going to be nuts. Awesome, man. Well, I hope that goes well. Me too. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but um, what I was thinking we do, man, we'll do a little quick sort of reflection. Sure. Maybe you don't have like your head in the scene all the time. I mean, uh, which, which is fine. But like from when it started and when you're doing like the construct and stuff, how do you think the overall scene from your perspective has sort of changed over time or synthwave in general? I, I feel like if anything, it's just become more of a standard genre, right? It's got enough artists that there's a lot of good, there's a lot of mediocre, and that's just how it is with most music. And I think that it just connects people, it connects with people. I mean, I still get messages about the construct and and people who listen to that and people who are really excited about the stuff we do in Cobra Kai. And the nostalgia hasn't run out yet. I think for me, personally, I have kind of stepped away a little bit from it. Like, I changed my Twitter handle. It is no longer DAD. It's Zach Robinson. Does that make you feel like an adult? Honestly, it kind of... I'm, like, not gonna lie. It actually was like a... It was a little, like, uh... Damn, like kind of moving away from it. But I will say that it's just, I mean, everything that I do now, especially for Cobra Kai, I mean, I couldn't have done Cobra Kai without DAD. So it's really special to me. So are you officially like DAD is no longer a thing? I don't know. You know, I never know. You never know what, you know, something will pop up or whatever, but I don't see it. Like my DAD output right now is through Cobra Kai. I don't have the desire to release something right now right because but, i mean like, if you like it like say in a few years time and you're just sitting around and you have the urge to make some music and it just happens yeah, to be like electronic yeah, yeah, are you gonna yeah. make that a dad thing or a zach robinson i might i might um and i think that uh i still love the earlier synthwave stuff like the second wave stuff because that's kind of when i came up and that's the stuff that i was listening to and i i get nostalgic of my late teen early 20 years from listening to that like npm and the early Mitch Murder stuff and Miami Nights and like all the Rosso Corsa guys. Like that stuff has a special place in my heart. And whenever I listen to that, I'm like, okay, this is the stuff that I really, really like. Occasionally, like I'll have on George Bishop Radio on Spotify and then like some new stuff comes on that I haven't heard and I really dig it. I think the production has gotten really good. Like the production is really, really good with a lot of these artists. And I still actually listen to a lot of synthwave mostly when I'm at the gym. I should actually share this. I have a like ultimate 80s synth workout playlist, which <laughs> they already they already exist on Spotify, but I have they're not up to par. Like I have like worked on this playlist for a while. So that it's like there's different tempos for different exercises and uh, <laughs> it is. It is very. I'm very happy with it. So maybe I'll end up. Uh, I'll share that with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about this? Let's listen to another track. Okay. And then we'll uh, we'll talk just for a little bit more, and then we'll uh, see you on your way because you got to go prep or whatever. I got to go practice. Yeah. So look, this is another track from uh, Cobra Kai uh, that I dug from the Cobra Kai season two soundtrack. This one's called "Like a Dance" by Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. 
And that was Like a Dance by Zach Robinson and Leo Berenberg from the Cobra Kai Season 2 soundtrack. And I am here right now with Zach Robinson about a playlist. That's something I got to fucking do better, too. You still use, like, iTunes? Like you Yes, use- I do. Yeah. I know they're getting rid That's of it. That's great. No, I mean, I'm, I'm jealous. I miss that. Well, but I don't really use it to its full potential. Like, I basically do it to, you know, make sure the metadata of the songs is correct. You know, like, make sure, like, mm-hmm. if it says, like, Zach Robinson, that there's not a weird one where, like, Zach is capitalized and, like, throws it into a different list or whatever. Right. And I, right now, I've got 33 days of Synthwave now. <laughs> It's a lot. Yes. And I'm I'm really trying to figure out now, like, hey, I got to fucking break this up, but I don't like the idea of having, like, a folder where there's, like, you know, there's DAD tracks in this folder, but then there's the one vocal collab that I'm going to sure. put in this other folder because yeah, yeah. I want to keep all the artists in their same folders. But now I think I'm just going to say fuck it because yeah. I love having a nice, clean synth pop playlist that's all, you know, like, vocal tracks and stuff. And then there's the stuff that's easy to work to that's more ambient and kind of chill. And then there's the stuff that's cool to play video games to, which is the more traditional kind of synthwave stuff. And then the dark wave and the (laughs) fucking AOR and shit, man. I love the AOR. That's the stuff. Honestly, like I'm super into the AOR stuff. That's the kind of thing I want to do more of next Cobra Kai season. AOR is like the true 80s rock film music like Huey Lewis and all that stuff. I'm very I'm very into that. It would be fun to do one of those songs where like you write the lyrics where they sort of relate to the images that are happening on yes, screen. Yes, we've been trying Andy, we've been trying to do this like since season one and we keep it like it's yes, I'm Dude, you totally, know what you should watch? Yeah. I fucking laughed my head off. Okay, so I I watched a few episodes of Baywatch Remastered on Amazon. Okay. They've substituted, I guess, 95% of the soundtrack. Okay. They've also done a weird job because they did that thing where they changed the aspect ratio. That sucks. And it's all wrong, right? I don't like that. Yeah, I hate when they do that. Because they've taken the fucking 4x3, they've made it widescreen, and so now all the framing of the shots is just a little weird. Right. Right? And so, you know, like, whenever it's a close-up shot... It's like their chin to their eyebrows. And it's Baywatch, right? And so there's certain shots where you're like, you know there's supposed to be cleavage in the shot, but it's not because it's cropped out. And it just feels wrong even if it's gratuitous it's like that's what the show is right like it's a gratuitous stupid program right but anyways so they've substituted all the music out with like the sort of contemporary generic rock kind of music oh wow interesting but there was one episode where the lyrics were matching up with the so even though the song it wasn't singing about what was happening on screen Uh uh-huh but the lyrics matched up with the images at like six different points in this shot. Beautiful. That it just it just made me laugh my ass off. Like it'd be like, you know, you got the key to my heart. And at that moment, someone's <laughs> handing someone a pair of car keys. <laughs> and then like, but you know when I'm lost in the dark. And then yeah, it shows yeah, like yeah. this little girl who's lost on the beach. And then like one of the Baywatch people helps her. And it did it like so many times. And I at one point I just burst out laughing because I'm like, this is amazing because I don't think this song was written for this scene it just so happened that the lyrics matched up so many times and so you guys got to do something like that i know we we have to you have to write it before they they have to write it in the script basically in order for it to work well it's really hard for them to shoot it and then you write a song like we have the pressure now to do it because they're in the writer's room now so like we've got to get them a song hopefully and then they shoot to it or or not shoot to it but like 
you know, they have an idea like, okay, this will go over this montage or whatever. The trick, though, it has to float in that space where it's not... It's not making fun of it. It's not making fun of it. It has to be very sincere. Because there's the South Park way of like where the lyrics are specifically talking about the exact stuff you're seeing. It wouldn't be that, yes. So it can't be that, but it also has to be enough where it's like, and that's that's a hard place to find. Dude, it's, well, that's kind of what we, I think, have kind of done well for the show. It's like the training montage up until Cobra Kai, I believe, was basically only used in the 80s and then subsequently like as, as a, a joke jo- as a joke yes. in every single comedy bit ever and commercial or whatever and then now we were able to we have three or four montages in the show so far and it, they're sincere and yes they pay homage and they're funny maybe when you listen to it but like they're well produced tracks like they are telling the story like a dance is a montage you know, that's a montage. It connects with people because it's not making fun of it. Like, we, we really try to to be as sincere as possible. Again, that was the biggest thing for me when I discovered this scene. That's one of the things I've always sort of maintained is that it's the sincerity, it's the earnestness of 80s that I like. Yeah. So I, I don't like all the fucking jokey 80s stuff. And I know people will always send me links to that because they think I'll like it. Where it's just like, oh, this check out this funny video. And it's like, haha, it's guys with mullets and right. girls with big shoulder pad jackets. Like, yeah, good right. for you. <laughs> you know, like it sucks. Because, you know, when I watch movies with an effective montage, I love montages. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, like you get all this story information in three minutes. You get to hear a cool song. Like, it's, it's great. But then, like, the joke montage, you've just seen so many fucking times. And it's just like, all right. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the cool things about Cobra Kai is that how straightforward it is. Like, so far, of a lot of the things in the revivals I've seen or sequels or whatever that I've been disappointed with, I think Cobra Kai is is doing it right. It is. I, I mean, seriously, so much credit to the creators because it's they really know how to balance. They, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but they really treat the characters as if it was like, you know, like a highly dramatic series, which it is. Like, there's a lot of drama and a lot of, like, really high tension and stuff like that. And then they were cool with, like, letting us do this thing with the music. And it's really hard to imagine at this point, after two seasons, worth just, like, imagining somebody else approaching it. Because I think that the issue I've had with a lot of things lately, and I think I was actually talking to this with with Luxury, who I just had on the show. Nice. I finally had him on, because I, I think you, you connected us. Yeah. Is, you know, now, even when they do sequels or reboots everything is so uh, meta and it's so referential to the past and you know the funny thing was when I recorded with Luxury I made a comment about how things are so meta it's like you can't even do a time travel thing without making a back to the future joke right and we recorded that months and months ago and they did that exact thing in fucking uh, Avengers you're right <laughs> where there's a time machine thing and they yeah, make yeah, a fucking yeah. back to they, they used yeah. my exact example <laughs> and and I'm fucking so tired of it it's like just if you have time travel just fucking do it like do it I, I get it I get it everything now does that where like it doesn't matter what the movie is if there's any anything happens like fucking it doesn't matter they always have to mention the movie that did it before and and so what I like uh, with Cobra Kai is that it just sort of like carries on the sort of tone of the franchise without having to make jokes every now and again and I think think the humor that they have in it actually works because it's just sort of true to the characters like it's Absolutely. not yeah yeah well look dude i want to listen to one more track and then we'll say goodbye okay great so i want to listen to actually a classic of yours that i've i've always loved it's called farthest reaches this was on the construct and it's a nice it's a nice song it's, this is on 
my kid's lullaby CD that I put together. <laughs> Wait, is that too, is really? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love this song, man. Farthest awesome. Reaches is great. <laughs> and uh, we're going to listen to that right now, man. This is Farthest Reaches by D.A.D. And that was D.A.D. with the track Farthest Reaches from The Construct, one of my faves. And I've been chatting with uh, with Zach here, and we're just taking a trip down memory lane, sort of, yeah. or not. No, we are. So, look, how do you think you have changed, <laughs> huh, in the past six years? I would say that since we first connected, like, so much has changed for me personally and musically, and I feel just like a much better songwriter and a composer and more fulfilled and um, humbled by a lot of the stuff that I've been able to do. I mean, it's like my dream is to do what I'm doing, so... I take a step back, you know, every day and I'm just like, damn, that's pretty sick that I get to that I get to do this. So it's been it's been a wild ride. I hope you're playing something like um, what's that like Mitch Murder ballad that I fucking love. That's what you should be playing behind us talking. You tell me the name. I'll throw it in. But I also want to tell you, Andy, I want to thank you for being a historian and a librarian and a fan uh, and just an all-around dope guy and supporting everybody. Sexy librarian. Sexy, yes, a sexy librarian. Oh, Remember When by Mitch Murder. Play that behind right. us. That's what 
but yeah, you've, you've been great, dude. And I hope you're proud of, of all the work you've been doing. And I know everyone appreciates you and, and thinks that you're a great guy and doing great things for this. You know, I just love the music and I love having done it for all these years now, being able to see the growth. I mean, obviously, since I started, some people stopped making music. Some people changed their course and stuff. And it's so cool to be able to look back even to six years, which isn't a long time, but then it is sort of in, mm-hmm. in podcast land. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we were sitting there talking the first time about the construct and, you know, like making music and stuff. And then here you are now, like scoring fucking Karate Kid sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's yeah. so cool. Like, it's awesome to see, you know, it's it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm proud. And I'm and I'm psyched that there's just people all over the world that I've connected with. And like whenever, you know, I go to Toronto, I hit you up and going to London. I'm going to go see a sunglasses kid and future cop and stuff like it's special. It's really special. Yeah, man. Well, look, listen, I hope your show goes great tonight and have a lot of fun and go practice. Thanks, dude. It's always nice to chat with you, and we'll do a show uh, in several months' time here. We'll do a proper Cobra Kai show and maybe uh, get Myrone in there, too, to do some chatting. That'd be great. Happy 200th, my man. Thank you, and uh, you have have a lovely day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, and that was my conversation with Zach Robinson, a.k.a. D.A.D. And uh, you know what? I kind of want to just listen to the rest of this fucking Mitch Murder song. So let's, uh, let's keep listening to this, and I'll talk to you when it's done.
All right, and that was Remember When by Mitch Murder. A weird mid-interview request from uh, from DAD. I don't think I've ever done that before, have I? See? See the exciting things that can happen? We're in episode 202, and you thought this show was going to be fucking stale? Well, you were fucking wrong big time. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's City Hunter with the 42, Lucas Ceballos with the 2666, and Hugh Hefna with the 26. <laughs> so maybe I'll say a word wrong so you can correct me on Twitter. And this is Hugh Hefna. And of course, uh, Clint Dowling is a cool guy in the $25 club. So how about we go back to the answering machine here and uh, listen to another one. Hey, Andy. Rama here from Uruguay but sending this message from Thailand where I've been living for a while and where I discovered your show a couple of years ago. Wanted to say hi and congratulate you on the 200 shows. I work long hours in front of a computer and I look forward every week to the new Beyond Saint episode as it makes my working day shorter and it's my way to discover new music and keep me company while I work. I want to thank you for the job you do and I know how you say all the time I think jokingly how a terrible host you are and how bad your show is, but I think that deep down, you know, that's not true. And you can see that for all the support you get from the people or the positive feedback. And your show is great. And I'm very glad I discovered it. And congratulations on the 200 episodes. And I hope there are 200 more and many more after that. So a big hug from Thailand. And thank you for what you do. And congratulations again. Cheers. Well, thanks, Rama. That was cool. Did you say you were from Uruguay? But you're in Thailand? See, look, this show is fucking international. Uh, but yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks for your uh, kind words. It's always interesting to see, knowing that the audience for Beyond Synth is not a huge audience, but it somehow reaches its synth tentacles uh, throughout the globe. That's a weird image. Uh, and uh, gets to countries that I didn't even realize people were listening to the show in. So, Because I, I never check my stats. I don't know if I've explained this before, but I'm like a really bad businessman and I'm not very organized. Because I'm sure if I actually looked at my stats, it'd be like, you know, most of your listeners are from... You know, the Republic of Chad. And then I would, like, change my messaging to relate to people from Chad. The Republic of Chad. I don't know what people do in the Republic of Chad. I just know that that's a place. And if all my listeners were there, then I would start going like, you know, Hey, does the fucking president of Chad get you down? You know, how about some lemon wipes or something? I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was, might be the dumbest thing I've ever said. Yeah. So if the... This is the joy of not thinking before you talk. I know in 2019, that's probably a recipe for disaster because you need to really make sure you don't say the wrong thing or else people get offended. But man, it's fun because then you get to surprise yourself. If you have a problem with the president of Chad, here are some lemon wipes. <laughs> What's a lemon wipe? <laughs> Holy shit. All right, let's listen to another song. Here's one uh, I found from some dude called Nick Vivid from the album Blissed Out. Now, this guy kind of has more sort of 70s kind of groove sounds and stuff, but this was a track of his I really liked called Ricochet, and it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Restless Nights, Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, and Johnny Five. And this is Nick Vivid with Ricochet. 
And that was Ricochet by Nick Vivid from the album Blissed Out. Now, I dig that one when, like, that big heavy bass sound comes in. When you want to be back in the... Anyway, uh, and that... Uh, look, uh, the bottom line is that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Did I mention Johnny Five? I might have. There's also Emilio Astavez, Pattern Shift, Kempson, and Martin Larby. You guys are all very, very important to me and close to my heart. And uh, your support is very, very meaningful. You want to go back to the answering machine real quick? Let's listen to one more and then we'll go chat with Highway Superstar. Hey Andy, this is Masbjorn Christensen, your faithful patron supporter. I just want to say thanks for all the entertainment and the musical inspiration, and congratulations on your 200th episode. I really dig your show, and you're a cool guy. High five! <laughs> Stupid. All right, well, hey Mads, thank you uh, for being a cool guy yourself and for supporting Beyond Synth. I think actually I did a listener call-in show where I chatted with Mads. Although I'm saying it wrong, right? Because I'm pronouncing the D. Well, forgive me, man. I'm Canadian. I don't remember the correct pronunciation, Rob Dyson, of how to say Mads, even though he just said it in his call, and I could just press play and listen again. Maybe I will. This is Maz Baron Christensen. Yeah, it's kind of like Maz, like that. Maz. Maz Baron Christensen here. Yeah. Anyways, look, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for supporting Beyond Synth, all right? It means a lot to me. And, uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's give Highway Superstar a call here. Hello. Hey, is this Highway Superstar? No, this is your angry neighbor from next door. You're making too much noise, man. Hey, man, I'm a cool guy, all right? I listen to my rock music, and I don't care what anybody thinks about it. That ain't rock music, man. I hear you talking about synth all day. Hey, man, it's the cool new thing. I swear to Christ, that's what the kids are talking about. Is that what the kids love these days? Uh, <laughs> no comment. The bottom line is this. I know it's weird to start off a conversation with a bottom line, but uh, I'm reaching back and, and talking to the people who were there in the early years of the show. And, of course, you, Alex, Mr. Highway Superstar, we, we met back in the in the first season of the show. Yes, we did. I think it was like episode five, was it? Good question. Let me go to the Beyond Synth database at beyondsynth.com. Searching. Loading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. All right, you were in episode... Yeah, that's correct. You were in episode 5. My memory's good, man. In episode 16, in episode 44, in episode 87, 107, and 132. Wow. I'm practically a recurring guest star. <laughs> I like to think of you as a recurring character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for uh, making cool music. I like what you do. You've been busy. I have been a little bit busy. I just came back from London where I had a DJ set on the Neon Sunset Cruise 2. Probably confusing the like order of the words, probably. Yeah. Sunset Neon. <laughs> Cruise Neon. Neon Sunset. sunset yeah. Cruise Sunset Neon thing, uh, Palm Tree Beach. Yeah. 2. 1986. Yeah, pretty awesome... <laughs> Pretty awesome DJ set uh, with my uh, friends, Sunglasses Kid, Eddie Stallone, and Morgan Willis on a boat, no less. It was awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I just talked to uh, Edward. He was saying 
that you guys were pretty much like hanging out all the time while you were in London. Yeah, uh, we normally do. I mean, we usually either get together for beers or whiskey or music. Did you guys try and knock out a jam? Uh, yeah, we were actually like hanging at Ed's, trying to make some music happen. We did a cool little beat. So yeah, I hope that leads uh, to a track. Maybe more. Who knows? Well, the sky's the limit, man. That's the exciting thing. So what's been going on uh, in your life since I talked to you last? To be honest, I've been working on my album for quite a while now because uh, you know how things are with family and kids and day jobs. kind of gets in the way of music sometimes, but it's been a challenge to... get everything happened the way I want to but I did have a bunch of live shows in Israel and that DJ said of course I put out some uh, new music so a couple of original tracks a couple of remixes as well had a remix to St. Lucia which was uh, pretty great. Do any of the the vocalists that you've had on your tracks, are any of them, like, near you? Well, the only vocalist that is actually near me is Sharon, who performs in, like, the live iteration of Highway Superstar. So whenever I'm doing a fully-fledged live show, so she basically does vocals with me from all of my songs. She was recorded on Baby I'm Falling in Love as well, and uh, she's on the new album as well. There's uh, at least a couple of tracks uh, where Sharon is singing. So who, who is Sharon? Sharon, is it Chedersky? Is that how you say her name? Yeah, it's actually like a Hebrew ch, so it's a Chedersky. Chedersky. Yeah. Is it also Sharon, <laughs> or is it... <laughs> every Anytime I see an H, I'm just going to be like, the ha, the ch. No, 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 it's Sharon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like when I get dismissed like a child, just like, no, 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 it's a, no. Nah, it's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's in my area. Uh, we meet quite often to work on tracks and write, record. So yeah, it's either me singing because I live, I'm the nearest singer that lives next to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> or Sharon. The other people I work with are usually like overseas, but I do have an upcoming track on the upcoming album with another vocalist, which is Israeli as well. Well, that's cool. Well, how about this, man? Let's uh, listen to a track and then we'll keep talking. So speaking of Sharon, why don't we just listen to that? Because I don't think I've played this one on the show. This is uh, Maybe I'm Falling in Love by Highway Superstar. The blind, it's not a game no more. Since we're playing as we drive so far, you are a summer star. This must be a dangerous night. Windows down, it just feels so right. You and I must be paradise.
That was Highway Superstar with the track Maybe I'm Fallin' in Love with vocals by Sharon Khedersky. Did I do it right? You did. All right, good. That's all that matters. Goodbye. We're pretty much done here now. <laughs> so look, man, there's sort of a thesis. Well, not a thesis. There's sort of a through line running through this episode where I'm sort of taking a look back at the early years and Synthwave and how it sort of uh, evolved and changed. And I've sort of changed my perspective a bit. So what is it to you now? I think now it's more just the actual scene itself. You know, when I'm sitting there trying to explain Synthwave to people... I'm sitting there lumping in, you know, like Carpenter Brute in the same category as like FM84 or whatever. And it's like, this is not the same stuff, but it still uses the synthwave tag, you know? Right. It's multifaceted. There is a very specific sound that is synthwave, but I've always used synthwave as a blanket statement to describe a whole bunch of things. To me, it's more of uh, it's more of like the umbrella that artists explore their uh, their nostalgia. I mean, in that sense, it is an umbrella of both like visuals, audio, references, genres. Do you think it's changed since you started making tunes? I think what people like to call Synthwave now is a much more structured, uh, uniform kind of sound envelope. Had I been starting making music now, I would not be necessarily categorized as Synthwave or Retrowave. Maybe Retro, yes, but Synthwave, probably not. The recent wave of new artists that are coming to the to the scene it's much more focused on how they sound like the references the the choices of sound the different types of synths and the drums and uh the overall feel and the rhythms and uh the melodic choices i think it's much more focused now mainly due to the evolution of specific like media outlets like new retrowave definitely not the only one that's been responsible of kind of pushing specific types of sound and I don't know if maybe favoring them, but it happened in a natural way. Yeah, it's like when when you guys are making tunes, 
I mean, like a long time ago, there was no rule book. So it was like everyone was inspired, like all the artists in the synthwave scene were inspired by retro stuff and, you know, and in sense each other, you know, getting inspiration from, you know, like Valerie Collective or whatever. Right. But there was no rule as to like, these are the sounds that are synthwave or this is the structure of the track. And so now since there is all of these synthwave frames of reference that a new artist has those to work from and I guess ends up making a more, um, I don't want to say stereotypical sound. And I think that's what you're saying, right? That like now that there's rules and there's there's sort of rules to follow that you know going into making synthwave, like you already know, here are the instruments I use that, that sound like synthwave, whereas you guys were kind of figuring it out. Yeah, that's sort of it. I think there's a lot less cross like pollination happening between like the different artists that take inspiration from like their fellow peers because uh, there's a much more uniform sound that is popularized now. But yeah, essentially uh, some stuff I make now, I'm not sure that they would like fall under the synthwave retrowave category at all. Do I want them to? follow that category maybe maybe not like i do whatever the hell i feel like worth doing right worth listening to as myself as a listener so that's mm. the most important thing for me to make music that i would enjoy making and listening to you dance to the beat of your own drum i'm beating my own drum andy every day <laughs> <laughs> It's a metaphor and it's a thing that actually happens. It's a thing that happens, man. <laughs> what, what I've enjoyed, I guess, of doing this show for 200 episodes is sort of watching artists sort of expand and grow. And the stuff you make now is really, like, clean and well-produced and, like, it, it sounds really good. And Thank you. I do feel like I, I've gotten better in the technical side. I also feel like a lot of people have gotten better. Of course, the, the musicians, but, like, also everyone else. I mean, take a look at you, for example, where you've been... Uh, 200 shows ago uh, versus now I, I think like everyone has one up to each other you can't really compare where we're now maturity wise and like professionalism or technical expertise wise as opposed to like maybe five or four years ago I f really feel like everyone who's had their start circa 2012 uh, 13-ish to like now we're all in a very different place it's almost like this weird nostalgia of remembering the days when the synth Facebook group only had like 200 members. Yeah, that's that's right. It, it doesn't feel grassroots anymore. It's the law of nature, man. We all uh, we all grow and evolve. <laughs> <laughs> I attempted to say something that sounded smart, but I don't think that. I honestly really tried finding a good comeback. <laughs> just ended up laughing. Well, look. How about this? Let's listen to uh, another track here, man. This is, uh, I think this is the last one you, or the most recent one anyways, uh, By My Side. Right, with Frank Music. Yeah, this song's great, man. So let's uh, let's check it out. This is By My Side by Highway Superstar featuring Frank Music.
And that was By My Side by Highway Superstar featuring Frank Music. And I'm here with Highway Superstar right now. Hello. So we talked about sort of like the scene in general, but like how do you think specifically like you've changed in the past, say, six years, even as a person or as a musician? Well, I've definitely gotten older. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> some, some gray hairs here and there. Mm. Let me think about that. I'm going to put you on a timer. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Say something profound. I mean, I definitely changed musically. I think I'm capable of much more than I used to. More experienced as a producer, as a musician. I approach stuff, writing and producing a bit differently than I used to. It feels much less random but more structured and I don't want to say mature because that would be a cliche but I do feel like I'm approaching it from a different angle that's kind of the whole point because your musical taste changes my mind definitely have changed the inspirations that you draw creative energy from change on a daily or a weekly basis how much has um performing live changed the way that you make music has it actually it has not because i use a completely different like set of tools for live show than what i do in the studio so uh the instruments are different i have instruments that are more geared for live performance my uh, computer is different my dw is different i use cubase and studio i was able to live performing because it's so flexible and stable and capable like tool that is specifically geared for live performing it hasn't changed the way i do music maybe what it has changed is, is that when i do write i do pre-planning whether this song will be played live how would it look like how would it sound like in a live environment how do i make the exciting parts such that will sound good on stage with live vocals perhaps or with uh, a couple of different instruments so yeah i guess in that sense things changed a little bit but it didn't profoundly change the way how i compose or how i approach my music how has your studio changed i do expand on my synth collection quite a bit i have since i started obviously but basically it keeps growing and i am running out of room to put all that so uh yeah in the sense that some of it goes to storage maybe that changes the studio environment i do like to switch things around every once in a while to keep it fresh and uh accommodate my current mood so i might pull out this or that synth depending on what i want to accomplish or my mood at this current moment so it is a mix of the hardware synth and uh the uh virtual ones which are also like tend to get updated as time comes so i did add some virtual instruments to my arsenal as well i do try to keep it up to date and uh try to invest back in my music in the sense of having the right tools to work with and uh being inspired by that's important i think what does the future hold for you man what's what's the plan um, the plan is a nice retirement home on an island <laughs> Do you like to swim? Yeah, sure. Who doesn't? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it with me. I, I, well, that's true. I'm just saying. I, I don't. I don't really swim. I mean, I could. Would you like to come with me, Andy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll go make some music, man. Sip some margaritas on the beach. Yeah, dude. I'll swim. <laughs> I'll watch you. <laughs> You're gonna like watch me in slow motion coming out of the ocean. <laughs> exactly, man. So you gotta you gotta start working out now. So you got that Daniel Craig body. Oh no, 
I have a horrible dad bod right now going on. <laughs> well, you're a dad. You're allowed. I'm allowed to, but, but yeah. <laughs> well, look, man, let's listen to another track, and then we'll uh, say goodbye here. Now, I want to play one of my favorites of yours that's an oldie called Emotional Passenger. I've always loved this one. Wow, that's like one of my first ones. Yeah, man. So, look, I want to listen to this one. This is uh, this is Emotional Passenger by a very young highway superstar.
And that was Emotional Passenger by Highway Superstar, what I like to call an oldie, but a goodie. That's a phrase I came up with. And I'm here with uh, <laughs> with Highway Superstar right now. So look, it's lovely to catch up with you. We're recording this like minutes before I have to run and pick up my son from school. But I'm, I'm trying to get every moment of this captured before I literally run out the door, which is what I'm going to do. So you can just sit there in silence and <laughs> like, I, I could. make good use of this time. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I, I mean, just uh, having me on the description is enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's uh, it's it's lovely to talk to you. Same. I'm happy to see you grow and all this stuff as a musician. And you as well. I'm a great musician. I mean, that's true. And uh, no, in the sense that you were growing too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's fun, you know, because when I think about like when you put out Endgame and stuff, and then like hearing you, uh, you know, sing on tracks, and those are like great songs. Like Burn This City is a fucking great song, and and Dream Diary and stuff. And so that was always it's always nice, you know, like when you see people like they they start doing new things. I'm like, hey, fucking Alex is like singing on here like that's cool yeah oh, thank you i think it's a journey i mean i always want to try new things i want to experiment finding kind of my own voice my own singing voice was uh, a major milestone for me in that sense so uh it's important for me to kind of you know evolve and uh come up with uh, new ways of making good songs that i like that's a great sentiment alex okay let, let, let me say like a couple of words because to me it, it's been pretty amazing to kind of listen to your shows and uh watch how your show evolved how you your audience grew and listening to the like the amazing guests that you've managed to bring to this show and the most amazing thing to me is that if you put on like episode 10 or like 7 the essence is very similar it's it's about the music that you like it's about the artists that come over and talk and uh sometimes like there were real moments on the show man so uh it's been an awesome experience for me both like as a guest and as a longtime listener so thank you well thanks man that's uh that's kind of you to say, but the most important thing is there wouldn't be a show without people making cool music like yourself. So I look, uh, I look forward to hearing new stuff, and it was uh, lovely to chat with you. You too. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. I hope to. Uh, well, we'll talk again in the in the coming times. <laughs> <laughs> We will. Uh, like, book me as a recurring character for the yeah. next season. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, you have a lovely day, and it was great talking to you. And go back to the studio and make some music, man. I wanted to say you too, but then you started talking about music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go make some music right now, and it's going to be fucking great. All right. <laughs> go make some music with, uh, with your kids. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Take care, dude. You too, man. All right, and that was my chat with Highway Superstar. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, there's Gregorio Franco and Blake Peterson. And then there's Rachel Buchelman with the 1985 and Murat with the 1984. Oh, I should remind you all, I put up a YouTube video. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's me and Mike, a.k.a. Modern Knight, formerly Hoo-Ha. Uh, we're sampling some peanut butter cereals. 
uh, Reese's Puffs and peanut butter chocolate Cheerios. What happened was this. Uh, basically, that was going to be a full episode of The Real Beyond Synth, but since they take me so long to edit, I decided to start breaking up shit that I had filmed. If it's like over a year old, it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to break it up and just put it on YouTube as little tiny clips so that you guys have lots of little silly videos to watch. And so if you haven't seen it, go check that out. So how about we listen to another track and then maybe go back to the answer machine and then maybe uh, talk to Droid Bishop. So let's listen to this. This is Matt Springfield with the track Things I've Said and then in brackets People Theater's Electropop Version Instrumental Radio Edit. That's a long title. So People Theater's Electropop version. So I guess People Theater, they've remixed it? All right, guys, I think Andy's getting tired. It's really hot in the room I'm recording in right now, man. It is boiling. So look. I just want to say that this song is brought to you by my awesome uh, Patreon supporters. There's Jimby, there's Hampus ML and Ken Giroux in the $15 Club. There's Chatterack. There's Mads Baron Christensen. We just heard from him. Mads Baron Christensen uh, with the 1313. Prophet of Jupiter with the 1215. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyalane. Let's listen to this track now. This is Matt Springfield with Things I've Said, People Theater's Electro pop version instrumental radio edit <laughs> super califragilistic uh, all right let's go We'll 
All right, and that was Things I've Said by Matt Springfield, the People Theater's electropop version instrumental radio edit. And that was brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $10 Club, there's Fraser Davidson, Neptune 90, Thundercats Ho, Dalton Bell, Heartbeat Hero, Cat Temper, Albion Algorithm, Retro Serenade, and Gary Heather. You guys are awesome. Let's go to the answering machine now and listen to another one. Hey, Andy, this is Scald Brewing out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we just wanted to say that we love what you're doing on Beyond Synth. And likely, the majority of your power comes from your properly quaffed, beautiful hair. We also like to let you know that we've been throwing around names for the beer that we would like to do for Beyond Synth. And we've pretty much settled on the Thirst Mutilator. All right, well, hey, Skald Brewing. So just so you know, these guys run a brewery, and I guess they love the synthwave because they're making some synthwave-inspired brews. They just did one for Time Cop, and uh, dude got in touch with me. I'm calling you dude right now. (laughs) Uh, Got in touch with me about doing a Beyond Synth beer. So here's my question. So first of all, I hope you haven't printed the labels yet because (laughs) Thirst Mutilator... (laughs) I don't know that the word mutilator belongs in the product title of anything. I mean, even if I was going to the store to buy a knife that I was going to use to murder someone with, if that knife was called, like, the sharp mutilator or something, I'd be like, ugh. I don't think I would want to buy it. So my question is, how come Time Cop, his beer is called Neon Dreams, and then you want to call mine the Thirst Mutilator? Listen, man, I'm not here to impede on your process. You do what you want. I will say personally, why can't why can't it just be like Beyond Synth beer? Why 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 mutilator? I'm really stuck on this mutilator business, by the way. I just <laughs> See, the thing is, when I think of mutilation, I <laughs> Hey, I got a fun idea. Uh, Listeners, uh, you guys listen to the show right now. If you have a fun name for a Beyond Synth-themed beer, what would you call it? See, because, I mean, I've been thinking a lot, and I was thinking something along the lines of (laughs) Mass Quench Murderer or something, or Thirst Slaughter, Liquid Murder, Carbonated Holocaust. You get the point. (laughs) Listen, I want one that's just like fucking like neon talk show blend or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, look, how about this? Let's listen to another track and then we'll go chat with Droid Bishop. How about that? So this song is brought to you by my awesome $10 supporters. Knight of Ducks, Andrew Benson, Sarah Buchelman, Justin Armour, The Patch Bay, who has been working on some cool like 3D animations and stuff. Go check out Patch Bay. And then uh, Gus Velichek, Playmaker Media, and Ashley Keegan. And uh, what do we got in the old playlist here? Hey, this was a neat one. Monochrome Echo put out uh, an album called Matrix Rebooting, and there's some sort of kind of experimental electronic shit going on here, and I dig it. This track is is called Tip Top Regen by Monochrome Echo.
And that was Monochrome Echo with the album Matrix Rebooting. And the track, which I just played, was called Tip Top Regen. Or do you say Regen? It's like short for regeneration. Anyway, look, the bottom line is it was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $10 club, there's Slunks, fucking Slunks, Greg Smith, Tristan Waits, Skunk Raider, Colin Bennett, Joe Ozone, Will Lowe, and Polly Digital. And you guys are all really cool. Polly Digital just sent me a clip of... A Nicolas Cage film I've never seen before, uh, where he does this weird cameo. It's like some comedy from, like, the late 80s. And he shows up, and he's got this weird prosthetic nose. (laughs) It was really weird. It's called Never on Tuesday? I had never heard of it. Anyway, why am I saying this? Oh, yeah, so let's, uh, here, let's go to the answering machine real fast, and then we'll go chat with Droid Bishop. Hey, Andy, it's Ashley. How's my favorite podcaster doing? I just thought I'd send a quick clip. No question, really, because I'm a bit useless like that, but just more of a comment to keep up the good work, as usual. And looking forward to seeing you and the gang in Toronto in a couple of weeks' time. It'll be amazing. Roll on Outland, and I'll talk to you soon. Well, hey, Ashley, and thanks for supporting Beyond Synth. So, obviously, she sent that message months ago, because I did see her at Outland very briefly, and it looks like from uh, her Instagram feed, she was just at the Retro Future Fest, which had a fucking really crazy lineup. No, there was like a ton of people, man, like Sunglasses Kid and Makeup and Vanity Set, Vincenzo Salvia, Max Thor. There's a whole bunch more, man, uh, that I'm forgetting because I'm not looking at the poster here. But anyway, so it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, I wish I, I was there for that. That looked like a really cool event. But alas, I wasn't. But anyway, man, Ashley, thanks for, uh, you know, supporting the show and uh, and thanks for uh, naming me your favorite synth host. I'm going to use that against you because there is a bunch of other podcasts out there and if uh, if ashley listens to any of them i'm gonna send them that clip to let them know who's boss me me and me and my lemon wipes <laughs> and my fucking mutilator beer all right let's uh let's pick up this phone here and uh dial up some droid bishop hello who's this hey man is this droid bishop Hello. <laughs> we, do, we did the hello. You told, you, we, did we do the hello? Okay, start again. <clears throat> Am I saying hello first? Yes. I'm just going right now. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> well, is this is this Droid Bishop? It is. Who's this? Well, this is this is Andy, man. It's beyond synth, you know. Andy. Yeah. All the way from Canada? That's right. Oh, joy. We haven't uh, spoken in a while. We have not. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm very good. I'm taking a look back at the early years of the show, and you were the first guest in season two. I was. I was all excited to chat with you, because when I first discovered the synthwave, uh, the first, I think, five albums I bought, uh, one of them was, of course, yours, and uh, my favorite track, uh, Color and Data. Color and Data. And uh, you would go uh, jogging with it at night you know like as the show sort of went on there were all these different sort of phases of it and so that was this like the phase two where i'm like okay i'm doing a season two and at that point now i had absorbed a year's worth of synth stuff and there was all like now i was really starting to become fans of like different artists because a lot of them in the first season i was sort of like meeting as i was discovering their music and so uh, i remember really digging that album and then uh, and then getting in contact with you and then us doing doing that and then since then we've uh, been cool guys right struck up quite a friendship yeah cross borders we we transcend borders around here 
Yeah, that's what I like to think. We also transcend race. You and I. Yes, we do. We're we're <laughs> post-human. I'm post-human. <laughs> I'm not even human. So I should say right off the bat, because earlier in the show, I ch- uh, you know I don't like to necessarily say when I record these things, but. Uh, uh, earlier, I talked to Zach Robinson, uh, DAD, and he was talking about the Cobra Kai show that they were just about to perform. It's already happened, people. Yes. And so now I'm talking to you, and this is, you know, the day after. The th- well, actually, two days after. We were originally scheduled for the day after. It doesn't really matter to anyone who's listening, because this happened a long time before you're hearing it. That's so. very true. Yeah. So, and so you ha- can't go to it, because it's done. <laughs> so fuck off. <laughs> well, how'd it go? How was it? It was good. Uh, it was a good turnout. Then Myrone played as well. I love Myrone's playing, and he, he had a full band. So it was a pretty uh, shred-tastic night of guitars and 80s epicness. And, and Zach and Leo, the Cobra Kai composers, had like eight or nine people on stage, like a full band. And uh, William Zabka came out and played a, a tune, Johnny's theme, with them. It was sweet, dude. Like, the cast was there. The only one who wasn't there was... Ralph Macchio, which definitely wanted to get that picture, but it was all good. It was a good night. He sent me a link to watch it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I guess there's a, a Facebook link to, to watch the, the sets. They did a stream, right? I, I don't know if it's just the Cobra Kai set, but there's something up there to watch. And From what it looked like, the stream looked like there was like two streams that were like an hour long each, right? So I imagine we'll get to see you up there. Maybe, yeah. Well, I hope so, man. Check it out. Let me know. Let me know how I look. I will. But I already know, man. You look like a cool guy. Well, apparently to some lady printing out photos, I look like you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is... We'll we'll just explain this briefly. This is hilarious. So Zach texted me, and he texted me a picture which was from the Cobra Kai show, which was a a glossy picture of me uh, wearing the droid Bishop Bishop shirt because... I am Droid Bishop. Yeah, Bishop. Because <laughs> if anyone... Well, Bishop, come on in the house. <laughs> if anyone knows or anyone has ever tried to Google Droid Bishop, one of the first images that comes up is a picture of me wearing the Droid Bishop shirt because I did like a pose with it like years ago. So I guess some lady was autograph hunting and so she had like a stack of glossy prints she printed out and I guess she printed that out thinking it was you to get you to sign it. Which I I didn't know about this at all until you told me, hey, did you see that picture? Which I didn't, but I remember this lady had all those, you know, they looked like home-printed glossy photos of, like, the Cobra Kai logo and all these other things, and I'm guessing that she saw me, and once she saw me, she crumpled that up and put it in her back pocket and backed out of the room. (laughs) It's too bad. Never to be seen into the fog. Yeah, because fucking, uh, yeah, because Zach saw it, Florence saw it, and I'm and I'm just so upset that you didn't see it because like the idea of you signing that thing <laughs> brings me so much joy. Like I wish that happened. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sure it will happen again because the thing about the synth world, a lot of the artists, like no one knows what what we look like. I literally was standing next to a guy during my own set with a Droid Bishop shirt on, and I kind of just like was there for a little bit and just turned around and I was like. Hey, nice shirt, dude. He's like, thanks. I'm like, yeah, that's my shirt. And he's like, really? So no one knows what anyone looks like. So I could be you and you could be me. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, the thing is, there are, like, I've posted two videos with you clearly in them. No one watches your show, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should put it to the YouTube page, but like, there's, 
the one episode we did when you were in Toronto and we no, filmed the recording. I'm no, just no, 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 you're right. your chops. No, you're right. But it's <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, and so there's you there, and I'm actually going to release uh, another one because I've started um, going through all the old footage and because I keep on trying to find a purpose for everything. So I'm like, oh, maybe when I do another episode of Real Beyond Synth, I'll be like, and here's me and Droid Bishop from before, you know, doing something. And I'm done doing that. I'm just going to release like short clips now and just get this footage out there yeah and when you visited me like four years ago or whatever when we, when we recorded that thing yeah we also recorded ourselves playing 64th street detectives the arcade game yeah which i now that you mention that like i don't remember that at all yeah so there's a whole thing we did that it was like <sighs> 40 minutes of us just playing this arcade game i mean we no we didn't we didn't do that no we did am i insane Am I Andy Last? Well, if you remember correctly, uh, you know, there was that moment where you were like, you accused me of putting something in your drink, and I was like, no, I didn't. And as far as I'm concerned, we played 64th Street Detectives, and then you got in an Uber and drove home. Drove home? Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> to California. Yeah, I guess I'm... <laughs> it was a million-dollar Uber. <laughs> I guess I'm not really and, remembering uh, this too well. I Okay, go back in your archives, prove me wrong. I, I don't know. My memories was a bit fuzzy sometimes out there on the road, you know? Yeah. But uh, that is interesting stuff, my friend. I remember our me cleaning your kitchen. Yeah, so that was one video, and then and then there was our interview, and then there was... Uh, and then that was the our naughty time we don't talk about. Yeah, well, we'll people will see it soon enough when I <laughs> post the video. Yeah. We're going to... 64 detectives yeah. <laughs> all in one room at one time. <laughs> It wasn't a game. Yeah. Look, I want to. Uh, I want to listen to a song, and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking. Sweet. Can I play the girl is fly? Oh yeah, because that's like not really released. I kind of just. I don't know what I did with that. I was like, hey, Andy, have this song. It's for you. Yeah, this was a little one you you sent to me, yeah, and then uh, and I don't think you ever put it on an album. So I totally forgot about that one. It's got some cool stuff in there. I, I probably just put it up on Spotify or something sometime soon anyway yeah alright man roll tape <laughs> yeah let's do it this is The Girl Is Fly by Droid Bishop
And that was Droid Bishop with the track The Girl Is Fly, which is a currently unreleased track. And I'm here with Droid Bishop right now. Hello. This episode kind of has a little bit of a theme because it's all about sort of reflection over Mm. the past sort of six years of this show, but also the synthwave scene and how it's sort of evolved and changed and, and all this sort of stuff. And I've been changing my perspective on how I view it. It's a weird blanket term that like doesn't really make any sense. You can't just be like, it's thrash metal. Thrash metal's thrash metal. You can't get around it. It's the same, generally the same vibe. Synthwave's like, Perturbator does not sound like calm trues. So I'm officially, as of this episode, saying I'm no longer treating Synthwave as a genre, right? I mean, to me, Synthwave is the scene. Yeah, yeah, let's cut it. Let's change it. Let's shape it. Let's mold it. Yeah, because I think before I used to be a little hesitant to go so deep into subgenres, and then... I talked to, I think I was talking to Sunglasses Kid about it, and then I realized what I was doing sort of maybe differently than other people when I described Synthwave is, like, I'm not really talking about the structure of the music. I'm just talking about, like, the palette. The aesthetic. The, yeah, like, the the sounds, the the look. The, Ever it, seen a pink flamingo? Neon flamingo? Nope. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen fucking triangles or Blade Runner or... Uh, You've never seen a triangle? No. Or any word with neon in it? No, never. Laser? Ever no. heard of a laser? <laughs> I love the sentence, ever heard of a laser. Or a night? Laser <laughs> night neon turbo. It's like, I'll listen to music where it's like, yeah, this isn't structured like a retro song, but they just happen to be using like, you know, old synth patches and stuff like that. And then to me, I'm like, oh, synth wave. And I know I've always said that I've used that term lazily to describe so many different things. And so this is how I'm sort of uh, changing yeah. as a person is just to be like, hey, man, it's, it's, it's the scene. It's how we explore our nostalgia yeah ourselves and our bodies (laughs) i tell when someone asks me like what well what kind of music do you do i just say 80s retro based electronic music and then you kick them in the balls yes and then i sign their andy last photos (laughs) (laughs) yes that's me (laughs) just don't look at my face (laughs) yeah so how do you feel about it, man? Like, how do, you, how do you feel about the scene? And The scene? It's an iffy, touchy area. Well, don't worry. Some people have been pretty, uh, what's the word? So I'll, I'll be the diplomat. Yeah, you, you can be a diplomat. I talked to, like, Dan Terminus earlier, and he was pretty funny about just, <laughs> just railing. Well, he's French, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. All respect to the French, though. I think they make a lot of the best music and art. All going back to... The Mona Lisa. Debussy. Well, I like Debussy a lot. He's a piano composer. Um, I, I love the French. Their soccer team. Everything. So, no disrespect. I just I just said the Mona Lisa. That's not That's French. Not it's, just French. In, That's, it's just in the loop. <laughs> that ain't French, bro. That ain't, that ain't even a woman. Yeah, something. Uh, you know what's funny? Real, real quick. I just got to say, when I went to see that in the, the museum in Paris... The Louvre. The Louvre. It's very small, by the way. The, yes, the it is. The actual yeah. painting. And a thousand uh, iPhones pointing at this thing. Huddled people. Huddled. It's like, wow. I don't know what has happened to us, but it's the opposite of what we should be doing in front of this painting. Yeah, we should be <laughs> we should be touching ourselves. Yes, we should be playing 64 Detectives. <laughs> 
when I did all my sort of world traveling was a long time ago, and so like when I went to the Louvre, it was like 1996 or something. Yeah, they ain't shit. But some guy had like a what a JVC like camera on yeah. his shoulder. <laughs> we got no, it. I remember you can you flash photography, so they didn't let any of yeah. that in there. And I do remember, yeah. yeah, like the Mona Lisa itself is really tiny, but then it's like within like several frames. Oh, that's the thing about those pieces in these museums. It's like a hundred by hundred frame for like a thirty by thirty picture. Yeah, like the Mona Lisa almost looks like it's it's in like three or something it's like and then and then you can't really walk up to it no. like there's like sort of a railing and so you have to be several feet back anyways and then yeah i don't know i'm very selfish when it comes to traveling and i have two thoughts where it's like i'm a tourist myself but i i hate fucking tourists and i want to have my own experience by myself and people are just walking in front of you and like you know certain cultures and countries have no concept of personal space and things like this <laughs> and or standing in front of the base of a escalator for five minutes <laughs> things like that anyway I'm very selfish when it comes to like seeing places. I'm like, I just want the people to vanish so I can, in my mind, do it correctly, you know, how it's supposed to be, in, according to what I think, you know, respecting the art. And for me, I really like to sort of blend in so I don't appear to be like one of the tourists. So I know, like in France, like I'll put on a beret. <laughs> yes. Smoke cigarettes. And I'll draw, I'll draw a mustache on. Yeah. And you yeah. have a white striped yeah. <laughs> uh, t shirt. It's all ready to go. The whole outfit <laughs> yeah. is like sewed together. So the pants and the shirt are like part of one unit that zips up at the back with the hat on a string. It's like the when James Bond comes out of the you know the welder's outfit with his perfect tuxedo yeah or like the one where where sean connery has to go undercover as a chinese guy so they oh my so god they put on a fucking- <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> you got a rice hat no they didn't even i know i love i love what they did they just sort of gave him a black wig and gave him some eyeshadow yeah and, and then like teeth. yeah yeah you'll pass <laughs> yeah you got this bro <laughs> Anyways, man, look, how about this? Let's listen to another song. Nice. Here is Outlander by Droid Bishop.
And that was Droid Bishop with the track Outlander. And I'm here with Droid Bishop right now. We're reminiscing about the old days. The old days. Days of yonder. How do you think that you've changed as, a, as an artist or person since I spoke to you the first time? First thing comes to mind is I stopped drinking about two years ago. So I think my new stuff that's coming out, things that I'm working on, I feel like it's better. I know like you're always going to have people who are like, I only like your first shit, dude. You suck now. Mm. And that's fine. But for me personally, I'm in a better place to work. I have a more realistic vision of what is happening around me rather than being distorted and being like, no, this is good. Or your brain can play a lot of tricks on you when you're dealing with other chemicals and things being in your body so as i've mentioned before on this show like beyond the blue and things like that i've made some bad calls on the engineering and mixing and the sonic area so for me i'm pretty happy with where i am you know my personal life and making music and not needing to feed off that one well, artist so everything must be serious and dark and drug induced and like this is a real art you know there's a lot of bullshit we tell each other and all that crap so i mean that's the biggest change for me looking back from where we first started talking i guess 2013 to me a lot of these things that i've put out they're kind of demos but they are albums and EPs that are out there forever. And someone's favorite thing might be the first thing I put out. And to me, it's like a demo that I just put out to see what was going to happen. And now it's an official release. You know what I mean? But hey, but it's all about how it makes people feel. I- exactly. So I, I may not personally like vibe on some older things or whatever. And But it's not about me. Once I release it, it's not mine. And if I can, I, I make music and art to give back to what I received from other artists and music. So if it makes people feel good, I'm happy and I'll do my best to accommodate playing things live. And So you don't want to uh, George Lucas like your first album and put some like trumpet solos in there over top of it? No, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you, we all think about that stuff. I, I will say I think I'm not going to ever like undo something or take away from what it is because... You know, even when you get like remastered albums, you know, when you see like Van Halen, like remastered and it like sounds different, mm-hmm. there's like some, like it sounds like modern or, and it takes away from a feeling. So I'll never undo something. I'll never be like, I'm taking this away and get and replacing it. But there are a few tracks, which I won't mention now that I would like to revisit and put on some sort of like maybe a classics or something droid bishop classics and like with a remastered feel maybe a few little mixed things and if someone doesn't like that new one they still have the old one but it's for for my sanity and yeah well that's i mean that's the right way to go about it yeah your head's in the right place your head's in the game well i stopped drinking (laughs) (laughs) i don't wake up feeling like shit anymore well, that's good. At least for at least for not that reason, yeah. What was your what was your trick then? Did you just have to just drink to get away the, the annoyance of the feeling like shit? What do you mean? When you wake up feeling like shit, is the only way to solve that problem to drink? I mean, like yeah, like the hair of the dog thing. You have a beer or something to kind of get back up, but honest, like it does work. It will kind of get you back up if you're an alcoholic and you're going to like drink again that day, right? Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like, and then go to work. Because you're going to kind of crash after that beer. I don't know. It works for all you people that want to use that information. <laughs> I don't I don't care if people drink. You know, I still like 
go out to clubs and things and hang out with my friends. And I'm not a preachy person who doesn't drink anymore. It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. If you can make it work by being able to drink and not letting it affect your personal life and your work and all that stuff, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But for me, I came to a point for many years. We all we always know what is right in our hearts. Like we always know. Our body will always tell us like if we're doing something wrong, like if this is the right person for us to be with. Like we ignore our our heart and our mind a lot. And I I wanted to stop drinking for years. And I was just like, no, no, you got this. And it just got to a point where you truly do like hit the bottom. You're like, well, you can't. It'll it'll be over if I don't stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, look, man, I'm happy that you. Uh you made that decision, man, and you're in a good place because I, sure, I think you're a cool guy. Hey, you too, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think you're a cool guy. It's just a... No, for y- sure. You know how my sincerity is, does not sound sincere. We're good, bro. <laughs> we're, we're, bo- we're, we're bros, dude. That, that's, the point, that's the point of this whole episode is just to make sure I'm still friends with people. <laughs> like- this is an intervention. Andy... You're playing too many 64 detectives at one time. You're playing them against each other. All right, look, let's uh, listen to another track, dude. Nice. This is From the Shadows by Droid Bishop.
And that was Droid Bishop with the track From the Shadows. And I'm here with Droid Bishop right now. Sup? Catching up with all the people from the early days. So what's on tap for the future? You got a new thing coming out? Yeah, I got a... I don't know when this is airing, but it's a 12-track LP. And it's been about two years, I think, since I released an EP or anything like that. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked to get this out. It's been a long time coming. And I'm sometimes you never like think you're going to see the end of that tunnel. When you finally like peek your head out of that tunnel and see the light, it's a really good feeling. So at least I have all the files. They're locked. Everything's good. I'm like the artwork's being sent off, getting vinyls pressed, all this stuff. It's, it's good. Awesome, man. It feels good. Yeah. I'm wearing your shirt right now. Take it off and your pants. (laughs) I'm also wearing your pants. Switch them. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, sent this to me because my old Droid Bishop shirt I had washed quite a bit. And so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be in the background whenever I eventually have like a full, a full on permanent set. You're like Synthwave Hall of Fame. Tattered rags from your guests who you've drugged and tied up in your (laughs) basement. You will do this interview. Some of the knickknacks I have around are like the actual guests themselves. Yeah. I've sort of drugged and then just keep them in the corner and like every so often the camera just pans down and like droid bishop there he is oh good times chain around good his ankle times. eventually I'll have like a proper display thing for all like the vinyls and stuff nice that people have sent and then I think that's where I'm gonna also display sort of shirts that are I feel like are no longer wearable until I sort of turn them into dust and I don't want to do that for sure I'll send you some more stuff too I'm putting together some more merch and some posters blah blah Nick Knacks, as you call them, knickknack paddywax. <laughs> is that the old tune? Certainly is. That's my favorite song, actually. <laughs> well, it's genre bending. I'm, I'm waiting for the synthwave cover. The of- synthwave cover of knickknack paddywax. Is that the song? Is that am, are those the correct lyrics? Yeah, knickknack paddywhack. Give a dog. Throw a your bone. dog a bone. This right? old man came rolling home. This old man, he played one. This old man sounds like a fucking pervert. Yeah, dude. Especially when you get to number nine and find out that he played knickknack on your spine because that's. That's actually the lyric. Yeah, it sounds a little uh, human centipede-ish to me. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking this old centipede. I've never actually watched those things, and I never will. You know what? I know you don't like that stuff, so I get it, but I love horror movies, but there's something about that movie that I I can't watch that movie. I've seen Hostel, all these movies. Like, it doesn't really bother me, any of those things. There's something about people being like attached that way that like it just makes me think that nothing is right in the universe that one's like did we need this movie come on i feel that way about a lot of things but you don't like horror though i figured out what it is Gore. you don't like gore it's not the gore that's the problem i don't like suffering you're a compassionate man well i just uh, that's what i realized what the problem was with certain movies where it's like so I can handle a gory death in a film if it means the person died instantly in the death scene. Yeah. Right? So if someone gets, like, sliced in half and it's, like, really graphic, but you know, like, oh, they sliced in half, they're gone. What I don't like is when someone's, like, lingering around and, like, screaming as things are, like, done to them and stuff. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, I find that upsetting. But, like... Kind of tor- torture stuff. Yeah, because I always wondered, like, why is it I have problem with certain movies with gore and then I can watch other movies, you know, like Evil Dead or, like, those sorts of things where it's it's so over the top but it's still gory like people are still exploding and heads are flying off and people are getting ripped apart do you like do you like the thing yeah can you get into that movie for like all of the right reasons to get into that movie or or is that like oh this is gory to me or no no because with the thing 
Okay, so the thing has a science fiction aspect to it. The movie is awesome, by the way. It's good, and I am also just in awe of the... Old school, the game-changing practical effects. I will watch YouTube videos of just collages of practical effects, and a lot of them are gore-related. And I'm always impressed when they're real, right? Because CGI doesn't impress me at all, because I just know, like, they just did it in the computer. Now, it might have been a lot of work. So even the stuff that's, like, really gory, when it's done practically, I'm always just so impressed impressed at like how they did it like i was watching the other day just all the gory scenes from scanners yeah it's pretty cool like even the ones that don't look quite right you know like where they'll he'll start like scanning the dude and then like the their blood vessels will like expand and stuff and like go up their neck yeah it's it's cool all the tom savini stuff you know he did all the early horror movies and and even do you know stan winston yeah he did like it's my dad the, you know it's your dad. Yeah. He did Jurassic Park and Terminator. And I'm convinced that Jurassic Park holds up so much better than like a lot of things that come out today because it was CGI mixed with practical. Like they had a life-size T-Rex going through these scenes on camera mixed with CGI. And that's what you have to do. Like when you just see everything on a computer and there's no seamless blend between physical production it's just a little cartoony for me some people are are, they've gotten pretty good with it you you know know, what though the problem i have every movie now is sort of there's a, a few layers of like color filters that they put over top you know like the color correction and all that stuff yeah which yeah, is yeah. meant to sort of blend the cgi with the, the background sure. plate but yeah. what i'm noticing now is it's almost like it acts like a barrier between me and the movie the reason why when i look at terminator or or jurassic park and see like oh that how this these special effects really sort of seamlessly blend with the picture it's because even when they were cgi they were blending it into the film that they shot yeah whereas now you shoot using like digital cameras Mm -hmm. that you know you're gonna fucking fuck with the color of later you put the cgi in then you put the filter over top to sort of blend everything but then it sort of adds this weird layer of fakeness it's not so much that the cgi looks fake it's like it's like everything looks fake yeah when I watch the Transformers movies, Megan Fox looks fake to me. Well, she looks fake in real life, bro. But it's like everything's so like digital looking that it all just seems kind of fake. And so, you know, you watch this new Terminator trailer. Oh, yeah. And, com- and compare it to T2. And it's like, because T2 looks like they just filmed it. And like, that's what the world looks like when you just point a camera at it. Whereas now everything is like filtered blue or filtered orange or filtered, you yeah. know, like sepia. And in Terminator, when stuff is blue... It's because there's a blue light. That's what's coloring the frame. That movie is blue because it's James Cameron's favorite color. All his movies have like a blue tint, which is cool. But yes, you're right. It's because of the photo filter like there while they're doing it. Uh, Sunglasses Kid, he just sent me this fucking dude who is doing this whole talking about why Terminator 2 is so good and like breaks down the movie. What's the difference between blockbuster movies when we were growing up and the blockbuster movies now? And then basically how James Cameron, like when he structures the film, there's actually so much there's so many layers to it so even though it is still like a blockbuster movie there's all of these patterns intelligent blockbuster yeah filmmaking. like people like not so much anymore forgive me but bob zemeckis even spielberg like i'm not into what they're doing now really but like james cameron bob zemeckis spielberg like from when we were kids 
those blockbusters had awesome scripts, characters, layers, all these things. Like blockbusters now are how much can we dazzle the eye, and that's all we need to fucking do. Yes, no, exactly. And it's that's what what this dude did who who broke down Terminator Two is like just basically show the symbolism and the patterns that activate your brain while you're watching. And so it's not something you consciously think about, but like when you see certain motifs repeated throughout the film, mm. it like activates your whole brain like as you're watching the movie and sort of compares that to the difference of watching a Michael Bay film where Michael Bay is all about your lizard brain it's all about you know flashing lights at you and quick cuts and Mm -hmm. stuff so so you still are engaged but you're engaged on a simpler level you're engaged on the level of like why it's exciting to look at fireworks or look at fire explosions and not on a full brain level which is fine I, I think like it's just another like ingredient for a tasty dish, if you will. But that's not all. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> Look, uh, before we get uh, carried away here, we got to listen to some more music. So I thought that it would be cool to listen to one track uh, from your album, the new one. Uh, this was uh, one of my favorites, uh, which I think is really cool. This is Mirrors of Escher by Droid Bishop.
right, and that was Mirrors of Escher by Droid Bishop off the new album, Rebirth of the Machine. And uh, we will have you back on the show later on this season to talk about it properly. But uh, right now we're, we're doing a little Beyonce celebration, man. And we're uh, <laughs> talking about what we love about blockbuster movies. <laughs> Forgive me, because I know there's a bunch of people out there obviously because these movies make money there's a shit ton of people that like i won't even fucking name the movies because i don't want any backlash but like there are movies that are like rated like 9.5 on imdb that are like i don't even understand any character development in this movie or there's like 30 characters and what i'm saying is pretty obvious what kind of movies this is but yeah it's like how many fucking characters are in here it's the fucking avengers movies all right like seriously seriously there's too many characters like there's too much going on i just don't care it's not that i don't like blockbusters because something like deadpool to me is entertaining and good and i can't get when like something is rated like 9.5 on imdb and like or like when certain movies are rated 9.2 and they're called the last jedi that's 9.2 mm-hmm. no it's not it is it's 92 percent. that now. movie that, that movie might be one of the worst Star Wars movies. <laughs> and I am rolling it up there with Jar Jar. Jar Jar is hanging at that party. I'm sure my, my audience is uh, <laughs> tired of me <laughs> complaining about that movie. If, there, if there's any theme that's developed over the 200 episodes, like as a whole, it would be me talking about GoldenEye, Batman, and complaining about The Last Jedi. I think those are like the three things that like have unified this show. The Han Solo one was not good for me. I don't want to sit here and shit on these things because I know people like them and that's cool. I like things that people don't like, blah, blah, blah. I will say the best, I think the best newer Star Wars thing that's come out, which I actually really liked, was Rogue One. Yeah, no, me too. I like Rogue One. That's the best thing that's, to me, that's come out. Like, all the other ones are just, like, too fluffy. They're too long. There's eight acts. There was, like, seven acts in Last Jedi or something. It felt long. It felt like there was... Yeah, but it was all, but it was all really necessary. So when you view it as a big series, you will see how necessary this chapter was. These are these are jokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is humor, correct? I mean, that's the thing that even the people who defend Last Jedi, once they come out with part nine, there's going to be no way to defend the lack of purpose of Last Jedi. Even if you like it as a movie, it'll be like, hey, you know the one that basically said that the other movies were wrong and didn't matter and the heroes didn't yeah. matter and everything, but then once we get to part nine, they'll have to tie it together and say that actually some of this stuff did count. Yeah. And so then part eight is going to be like that weird one where it's like, so they went on a side mission, lost a bunch of people, gained nothing, didn't really win anything. Exactly. And then there was no weird revelation. There was no character. You didn't learn anything more about any of the characters who were there. None of them really grew because nothing really changed. All that all that happened was the Resistance lost a bunch of people and then they left. Yeah. And that's it. It's like such a pointless chapter. That was my one problem with um, Blade Runner sequel, uh, which I really liked that movie. I saw it a, a few times in the theater. But kind of going back to what I was saying about like re-releasing and remastering things and like, you know, changing history, if you will, rewriting it. Yeah. This is a spoiler alert. So cover your fucking ears or go take a shit. I don't care. But 
<laughs> Most of my listeners are doing that right now. They wear diapers right now. We're all shitting together. <laughs> um, anyway, with the first Blade Runner, like there's this little kind of wink on the end of the movie where you don't know if Decker's an android or not. Spoilers. Well, I said spoiler. <laughs> I'm, I'm spoiling your life. Who hasn't seen Blade Runner who listens to this show? Seriously. Know, if you if you haven't, just just go away. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there like a little joke? I've only actually watched it like twice, so I, I, I don't have it like memorized or anything, but uh, I, I do really like it. But I, f- I feel like Jared Leto in the new one says like a joke about it when they he has Harrison Ford like in his base or whatever and taunts him with the with the Rachel robot. And then yeah. he, he kind of goes, he kind of says like, oh, it's almost like you were designed or maybe not. It doesn't matter. Like he says a line like that to like say, maybe you are a robot, maybe you're not. It doesn't matter kind of thing. And then okay. just to acknowledge that. That is a thing, but they don't... Maybe I missed that, and even though I saw it a bunch of times. Maybe I missed that part, because it seemed weird to me that they would discount that, because I've seen in an interview with Ridley Scott, I think it was on the Dangerous Days, Making a Blade Runner, excellent documentary. There's something on YouTube, I think, some upload of it. But uh, he said that Decker's absolutely an android. Like, when you see the his dream of the unicorn, and then... You know, his homie, the, the that cop who makes James almost or whatever, who makes the little origami thing. <laughs> his homie. <laughs> his homie. And he puts that unicorn thing in front of him. Like he knows his dreams because he's an android. That's a major spoiler alert. Well, no, I, Spoil- I, app, I, post think, alert. I think the issue people have with that is that some of that stuff was sort of like reinserted into. Yeah, in the final cut or whatever. Yeah. And I think even in the final cut, they do one little cheeky thing where they CGI'd that weird sort of light reflection in his eyes. Oh, yeah. I've had this discussion with people who are kind of, they don't like some of that stuff in final cut because it sort of makes it a bit clearer. And they liked it better when it was a bit more vague. Sometimes too much information is bad. You know, like I, I watch too many things of like behind the scenes and like, like what I'm just talking about now. So, so I, it's better sometimes to kind of not know. Like at the end of Total Recall, you don't really know, like, was that all a memory or a dream or an implant? Like that whole movie. Did he get his ass to Mars? Did he get his ass to Mars? I don't know. <laughs> Did he see Richter at the party? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did the bad guy get home in time for cornflakes? We'll, <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Total Recall 2. Back in the habit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look. Did you like how I sidetracked and diplomatically moved away from the synthwave scene um, <laughs> questions? And now we're done. So, love it. Wait, man. Look, it's, uh, it's so hard to keep on track and just be like, let's record for 20 minutes and then actually do that. It's cool, though. I mean, like doesn't matter we got we got a few things out there and bullshitted our way through it <laughs> people know what they're getting into yeah, that, and here we ain't talking about gear we ain't talking about <laughs> vsts over here so it's fine seriously though uh what's your favorite uh, vst right now i'll just say it's super affordable it's on everything i've ever done it's the tal audio uno juno emulator i think it's like 40 bucks or something like that it's the roland juno emulator i'm sure a bunch of you know it if you don't it's the best bang for your buck and that might be the most specific synth thing we say on this entire episode yeah of beyond synth but look man it's been uh listen it's been nice knowing you no you listen no you listen it's uh <laughs> listen 
I feel like listen. I, I think I'm having an aneurysm. Um, yeah, say it. Say it more. Listen. The point is that uh, I'm happy you're out there making tunes and and doing live performances now as Droid Bishop. I think that's cool. I've always uh, been a big fan of your music. Thanks, bro. Keep on doing it, and I'm happy to have had you be a be a part of this whole thing. The blessing is all mine, my friend, and hopefully uh, I'll be up playing in uh, Canada sometime soon. I definitely work. I'm working on expanding the the show perimeter, so I, I want to get out there. I know there's a lot of people from different parts of the world who listen to my music and other synth waves. So I'm just working on that, trying to get out there. I'll see y'all real soon. Awesome, man. Well, listen, you have a lovely day. You too, brother. Congratulations, 200. Thank you. You're 200, bro. Yeah, man. Here's to here's to 200 more. Am I allowed to say that about myself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and that was my conversation with Droid Bishop. It's always awesome to talk to him, and his new album is awesome. When he sent it to me, I literally just listened to it on a loop. I really, I really like his new album a lot, and that is my Andy Last endorsement. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's IP68 with the 808. And then in the 777 Club, we got Skywolf and Life of Brenton. And if you want to help support this show, like all the lovely people I mentioned today, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can go to beyondsynth.com. You can check out the Beyond Synth Artist database that has over 850 artists in there now. You can also click on the donate button right on the website. There's a PayPal link and a link to the Patreon. So there's many different ways to send me money. (laughs) Hey, and the the lucky 10th person who sends me in some cash is going to get a free box of lemon wipes. So that's all I got to say for this week. So have a lovely uh, week, everybody. Tune in to the High Five on Friday. And tune in next week where we continue our summer synthwave celebration series. We're probably doing, I think, maybe two more episodes of this. Maybe three. It depends. But definitely two for sure. And yeah, and then we resume regularly scheduled programming, I guess. And uh, that's all I got to say. So have a lovely week. And I will talk to you soon on Beyond Synth, the best synth wave chat show there is. And your number one stop for lemon wipes. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.